Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hen and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah... Tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's them, and I and the Father are one. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you 
know us and uh, that you introduce yourself to us so that we can know you. And uh, Father, we pray that as we reflect on Jesus' words about who he is, uh, that we would come to know him uh, for the first time or that we would come to know him more deeply, uh, that we would trust him and follow him uh, and that, Lord, we would be able to say with all our heart, the Lord is my shepherd, uh, I lack nothing. Lord, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, life is uh, full of so many questions, isn't it? Uh, you know, what will I have for breakfast? Uh, what will I do today? What will I do with my life? Uh, who will I marry? Should I call my child Dorcas? Uh, there's all kinds of questions, I think, that plague us uh, and beset us. And clearly some of those questions are more important than others. Uh, but I think two of the most pressing questions uh, that any of us can ever ask are, who am I and who is God? Who am I and who is God? Uh, there are lots of questions to that, uh, lots of answers to that first question. Who am I? I'm a man, I'm a woman, uh, I'm an Australian, I'm not an Australian, but I wish that I was an Australian. Uh, I'm someone who likes chocolate. Uh, uh, I'm a businessman, I'm a teacher, I'm a mum, I'm unemployed. But uh, what is the most important answer to that question? Who am I? Who are you? Uh, I was recently in Melbourne uh, with two friends. That is, they were both my friends, but actually they'd never met each other. You know, and you always be like, oh, how's this going to go? Because they were grossly different ages. One was uh, quite old and one was uh, relatively young. Uh, they never met each other, and, but, but one of them asked this question during the, during the meal. He said to, to my other friend, he said, what is the mo- tell me the most important thing about you. Isn't that a great question? What's the most important thing that you can tell me about yourself? Uh, in, in a way, that's the same kind of question, I think, isn't it? Who, who are you? What's the most important thing that there is that I can know about who you are? But the other key question then is, who is God? That is, who is the God that we meet in the Bible? What is that God like? What is, who is the God that we meet in Jesus? Is that God a standoffish God? Is he a God who thunders away from, uh, 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 from heaven? Is he frightening? Is he timid? Is he weak? Is he strong? Is he kind? Over the last few weeks, we've been trying to get to know God in Jesus, as Jesus reveals God to us. Uh, we've been looking at the claims that Jesus makes about himself. We've been asking who Jesus is. We've seen that Jesus is uh, God come into our world to save sinners. We've seen that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. And today, this morning, we're looking at this claim, I am the good shepherd. But what's so different, I think, about this claim compared to the others that have gone before is that this claim is so much more relational, I think. Uh, In some ways, this claim, more than any of the others that we've thought of so far, not only tells us who Jesus is, but who we are in relationship to Jesus. Or who we can be in relationship to Jesus if we come to know him. So who is Jesus? Well, the first thing that Jesus tells us is that he is the good shepherd, and that means that his Uh, that he knows his sheep and they know him. So Jesus draws a number of contrasts throughout this chapter. 
between himself as the good shepherd and between those who aren't real shepherds. And the first contrast that he draws is between himself as the true shepherd versus a stranger. So the difference he wants us to see is a difference between familiarity and lack of familiarity. So look at verses 1 to 5. Uh, or Sorry, 2 to 5. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The gatekeeper knows who he is. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. So Jesus says that while thieves and robbers try and just steal their way into the sheep pen, the true shepherd enters by the gate because he's known uh, by the sheep, but also by the, by the gatekeeper. He receives access. He belongs there. And when he's there, he calls his own sheep. He knows them all. He calls them by name. He knows every single one of the sheep that belong to him. And he loves every individual sheep as well. I don't know about you, but I'm terrible with names. Uh, you know, you end up in one of those situations where you're meeting someone for the first time and, uh, or meeting a group of people and everyone says their name. I'm Bob, I'm, I'm Sarah, I'm wh- whatever. And by the end of you get to the last person, you're thinking, crumbs, I can't even remember what the second last person's name was, let alone the, the one at the beginning. Uh, and you're, and you're, you're spending the rest of the conversation going, so mate, uh, you know, mate, tell me about what, you, what, you, what you've been up to. Uh, but Jesus is not just saying he's not like that. He's not just saying, well, I get to the end of a conversation and I remember the name of people. He means more than just remembering names. He means that he knows them. He calls them by name. He's intimately acquainted with his sheep. He's not just going through a roll call, getting to the sheep pen and going, Bob, do we have Bob here? Sarah, where's Sarah? Is Sarah here? But he's, no, he knows his sheep uh, and he loves them. He walks into the pen and he says, come on, Bob. Come along with me. I know what, I know what life's been like for you for the last few months. I know that it's been tough. I know that you've been struggling. Walk, walk along a little closer with me for the next little while. To know them by name is not just to know their name, but to know them and to love them. And he not only knows the name of some of his sheep, he knows the name of all of his sheep. He leads them all out and takes them all with him. He, he leaves none of them behind. Jesus repeats that idea again later in verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He's on a mission to gather all his sheep together and he's not just finding some kind of random sheep, but he's looking out for the sheep which he knows and which have been given to him by his father. The father has said to Jesus, here are the sheep. You gather them, you take care of them. They're yours. What Jesus is giving us here is a beautiful picture of his intimacy and his care. He knows his sheep. He leads them. Who is God then? Who is the God that we meet here in this chapter in Jesus Christ? He's not a God who's far away. He's not a God that we can never know or or we can never be close with. He's not a God who simply thunders away and commands, commands at us from heaven. 
He's not an impersonal force that we can never hope to know. He's a God who knows us and who knows all his sheep. One of the most wonderful things in life, I think, is to be known, isn't it? To be known deeply by someone or by a number of people. One of the worst things in life is, isn't it, to be unknown, to feel as though nobody understands you or nobody knows you, to be kind of lost, permanently lost in the crowd. But Jesus says that he knows us, God knows us and what we're going through at every moment of our lives. No one else might know you. But if you're one of Jesus' sheep, then he knows you and he loves you and he calls you by name and you're his. And when you stumble and fall and no one else knows about that, Jesus knows. And when no one else is there to help you up, Jesus is there. And when you feel condemned by your own sinfulness, And no one else knows, Jesus knows. He knows all about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And if you belong to him because you're one of his sheep, he loves you. And when you feel overwhelmed by life and no one else knows, Jesus knows. He knows your struggles, he knows your difficulties, he knows your limits. He knows... He knows you and he calls you by name and he leads you and looks after you. But not only does Jesus know us, we know him. Jesus knows his sheep and his sheep recognize his voice. They trust him, they follow him. He says that a few times through the chapter. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. What does that mean? I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Or verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. There's this reciprocal relationship. He knows us, we know him. He steps into the sheep pen and the sheep think, here's a guy that we can trust. We know this guy. We know that he's good. We know that this is someone that we love and this is someone who loves us. Here is someone who looks after us and cares for us. Here's someone who knows me. And so when he calls them, they come because they trust him. And when he leads them out, they follow him because they trust him and they know him. When we think about shepherds uh, in modern day Australia, we probably think about sheep being herded you know, from behind by motorbikes and all kinds of crazy things, dogs, all those kinds of things. But the shepherds in the Middle East in Jesus' day uh, would, would walk in front of their sheep and the sheep would gather behind them. And walk along behind them. They would literally follow them. It's a wonderful picture of the Christian life. The shepherd in front and the sheep following Jesus. And Jesus says that that's what it's like in his relationship with his sheep. He leads them, he walks out in front and they follow him because he knows them and they know him. In contrast though... Uh, Jesus' sheep don't listen to strangers. They listen to Jesus, but they don't listen to others. Why is that? Because those other people don't know them. Those other people are thieves and robbers who are just trying to get whatever they can for themselves. 
The person they follow is Jesus the Good Shepherd because he leads them with love and compassion. Well, that's one of the ways I think that we know that we are Jesus' sheep. We know that we're Jesus' sheep because we know him and we listen to him and we trust him and we go where he's leading us. And when other people come in and say, come over here with, with me, we don't listen to that because we don't know them and we don't trust them and they don't know us. But we know Jesus. And so when he calls us to go, we go. And when he calls us to stay, we stay. And when he leads us to the left, we go to the left. And when he leads us to the right, we go to the right. He says to love him and we do. He says to trust him and we do. He says to obey him and we do. Not perfectly, but genuinely. Not fully, but really and truly. You see, some of the people that Jesus was talking to thought that they knew God uh, and that God knew them, but it wasn't true. Because God was standing in front of them in Jesus Christ and they wouldn't listen and they wouldn't go and they wouldn't trust and they wouldn't love. God was standing in front of them in Jesus Christ and they refused to receive him. And in doing that, they showed that they were not his sheep. So Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep and they know him. But second, Jesus says, he is, uh, says that he gives life rather than destroys. So verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Uh, In these verses, Jesus has swapped the imagery of a shepherd for the imagery of a gate. So not only is Jesus the shepherd, he's also the gate. Uh, As the gate, he's the way into the sheep pen. That is, he's the way into salvation and life. He's the way into access to the Father. And as the shepherd, he leads people to the gate, which is himself, the way to God. In contrast, the thieves and the robbers don't lead people to the gate. They're not interested in leading people to salvation and life. They're only interested in stealing and killing and destroying and getting what they can for themselves. So Jesus here is making a pointed comment to the people that he's speaking to. Some of them are the religious leaders of the day. And the background is Ezekiel 34, something that God says there, where he describes the leaders of his people as bad shepherds, as corrupt shepherds. He says there in Ezekiel 34, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. That is, these shepherds were supposed to be looking after Jesus' sheep, but they were just looking after themselves. Jesus is implying that the religious leaders of his day that he was speaking to are like that. They were just thieves and robbers who were just taking, care, uh, taking advantage of the sheep and taking care of themselves. 
They were doing that because they were destroying the sheep because they were failing to lead people to the gate. Jesus is saying, here I am, I'm the gate, I'm the way to God, I'm the way to life and salvation. And you're claiming to be shepherds, but you're failing to lead people to the gate. You're just taking them off to get out of them what you can. There are so many people in the world uh, who promise life and joy and peace and happiness, but who bring the complete opposite of that. Uh, Sometimes those are religious leaders. We've seen that tragically played out, uh, haven't we, in the Royal Commission into child abuse in the last few years. We've seen how people who claim to be leading others to life and salvation in Jesus were doing nothing of the kind but taking advantage of people and and abusing people horrendously. Uh, And it's not just sexual abuse. Uh, You can turn on the television and you can find uh, tele-evangelists who are claiming to be leading people to Jesus, but who are just milking people for, uh, for all their money. There was a terrible article a number of years ago, a situation in the US where one... Uh, American preacher was buying himself, he was one of the seventh or eighth people in the world to purchase the new Learjet uh, that was coming out. It was something like $35 million uh, that he was spending on that Learjet. It was a sign of God's blessing, uh, he said. Uh, And that was money that he gained from people that he claimed he was leading to life. But he wasn't doing anything of the kind. He was thieving and robbing people for his own glory and his own good. Sometimes those people, those false shepherds, are religious leaders. Sometimes those thieves and robbers are political leaders. They promise to make a new world, a better world. They promise peace, but they deliver anything but. Hitler promised a revitalized economy and a renewed place for Germany on the world stage. Sounds so familiar, doesn't it, in the current global political situation? Stalin and other communist leaders promised equality, but all they did was destroy the people that they were leading. So too, even today, in lesser ways, our political leaders promise us a better tomorrow. They promise that they can save us and rescue us from an uncertain future. They promise that they can stabilize the economy and make our lives better every day, every year. But they all do it without actually leading us to the gate who leads to life. That is Jesus himself. And so long as people refuse to lead us to Jesus, the true gate, all they're doing is destroying us and selling us a false hope. Jesus says he has come to give life because he is a shepherd and he leads his people and he leads them to himself, the gate through which we come to know uh, our heavenly Father. So Jesus uh, has, is the good shepherd who knows us. He's the gate through whom we have access to God, through whom we have life. The third thing Jesus says about himself as the good shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. So look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So this is the third comparison and Jesus is comparing himself to just a hired hand and he says a hired hand is never going to lay down his life for the sheep because for him, they're not his sheep. He just has a job. And so if his life is in danger, he's going to protect his own life because all he wants to do is to work another day. But the shepherd is not like that because the shepherd actually cares about his sheep. It's a bit like the difference, I think, between uh, an employee and a business owner. Uh, You know, if you're just an employee, yeah, you might, if you're a good employee, you might really care about the business and you might really kind of put uh, your shoulder to the wheel and really try and make things succeed for the business. But at the end of the day, when you go home, work stays at work uh, and you get on with the rest of your life. But if you're the business owner, work doesn't stay at work. You spend the nights thinking about how you're going to make things succeed. You spend your evenings thinking about all the problems that you've got to fix. That's because the business belongs to you and it doesn't belong to the employee. Or it's a bit like the difference between a parent and a babysitter or a childcare worker. Yeah, the babysitter and the childcare workers, they care about the kids, but it's not the same as a parent, is it? A parent will go to much greater lengths for their child than a hired carer. And Jesus says it's the same with him. He loves his sheep because they belong to him. And he loves his sheep so much that he lays down his life to save them. But he doesn't just lay down his life, he takes it up again. So verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. How fabulously hopeless it is to lay down your life for someone and then to leave them utterly unprotected. To die in saving them, but to leave them to the next attack or the next problem. Or how fabulously hopeless to lay down your life and fail to achieve the salvation that you intended. One of the most tragic things I think that you can ever hear reported on the news is of a situation just like that. Someone's drowning and others see and go to their aid. And what happens is instead of them being able to rescue that person who's drowning, in fact they all drown. So noble, isn't it, to be willing to lay down your life to rescue somebody else. But how tragic to fail to bring about the rescue that you so desperately desire. But that's not what happens to Jesus, you see. Jesus is not only willing to lay down his life to save his sheep, but Jesus is effective in doing that. He lays down his life, but he takes it up again. He lays down his life to protect the sheep, but having done that, he takes it up again and keeps protecting them. It shows not only the lengths to which he's willing to go, but also his unparalleled power as God the Son. He's willing to save his sheep, and he's powerful enough to do it. 
He was willing to lay down his life for us. But the fact that he took his life up again shows that his rescue was effective. He did what he meant. He has rescued those who trust in him. If you are one of Jesus' sheep, then you can know that Jesus will do anything to save you. In fact, Jesus already has done anything. He's laid down his life. He died a cursed death on the cross, a death that we deserve to die. He died in our place to rescue us from the wrath of God. He was forsaken by God so that we wouldn't be. And if Jesus has already done that to rescue us, then he will do anything else to rescue us as well. And not only will Jesus do anything, not only is he willing to do that, he will succeed in doing it. If you're his sheep, he died for your sins and it worked. The resurrection shows that. The resurrection shows that God accepted his sacrifice. He rose to life and we can be raised too. He went into battle against our great accuser, Satan, and he won. And he won for us. And he holds us by his right hand and he will let nothing destroy us if we belong to him. So Jesus is the good shepherd who knows us and we know him. He's the good shepherd uh, who, who, uh, protect, who is the gate, who leads us to the gate and he's the good shepherd uh, who lays down his life for his sheep. But finally, uh, he is the good shepherd who protects his sheep to the very end. It flows on from that last point. He says in verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus gives his sheep eternal life, uh, eternal life bought by his death in their place, and no one can pluck them out of his hand. No one can take, them, take that away. And more than that, no one can not only snatch them out of Jesus' hand, but no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. That is, we're safe in two pairs of hands. Jesus has his hands clasped around us, and clasped around Jesus' hands are the Father's hands. And no one can take us from either of those sets of hands. If you're one of Jesus' sheep, Jesus says, then you are safe. Safe in his hands and safe in his Father's hands. Safe in the hands of God. Well, tomorrow, I think, is a terrifying prospect. Not Monday, but tomorrow. Every tomorrow. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Who knows what difficulties tomorrow will bring? What challenges, what uncertainties? Who knows how we'll fall? Who knows what evil we might be capable of? Who knows what evil will happen to us? Who knows if tomorrow we'll lose our minds? 
You and I can have no, no certainty about what tomorrow will bring, but whatever tomorrow brings, we can have certainty that if we are in Christ, we are safe in the hands of God. If you wake up tomorrow morning and everything seems against you and too much for you, if you are in Christ, you are safe in the hands of God. If tomorrow you lose somebody that you dearly love, if you are in Christ, you will be safe in the hands of God. If tomorrow you lose your health, if you are in Christ, you will be safe in the hands of God. If tomorrow you're admitted to the hospital and they say to you, you'll never go home again, you will be safe in the hands of God. If tomorrow you sin more grievously than you've ever thought possible, if you are in Christ, you will be safe in the hands of God. If someone tomorrow holds a gun to your head and calls you to deny Jesus, or threatens you with jail, or an enormous fine, or the loss of your business, someone threatens you because you are following Jesus, if you are in Christ, you will be safe in the hands of God. If you are one of Jesus' sheep, God has given you life in Jesus. And no one can take that away. No one can snatch you out of his hands and no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Who is God? God is the loving Father and his loving Son, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. And who are you? If you know Jesus' voice and have listened and received his invitation to entrust your life to him, then you are one of Jesus' sheep. And he has given you life and no one can take that away. The German theologian and prisoner of war Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote a poem uh, called Who Am I? Uh, in which he recognised that profound truth. He wrestled with the question of who he was and who others said he was and who he was in God. He said, who am I? They often tell me. I would step from my cell's confinement calmly, cheerfully, firmly, like a squire from his country house. Who am I? They often tell me I would walk to my warders freely and friendly and clearly as though it were mine to command. Who am I? They also tell me I would bear the days of misfortune equably, smilingly, proudly, like one accustomed to winning. Am I then really all that which other people say of me? Or am I only what I know of myself? Restless and longing and sick, like a bird in a cage, struggling for breath as though hands were compressing my throat, yearning for colours, for flowers, for the voice of birds, thirsting for words of kindness, for neighbourliness, 
trembling with anger, despotisms and petty humiliation, tossing in expectation of great events, powerlessly trembling for friends at an infinite distance, weary and empty at praying, at thinking, at making, faint, and ready to say farewell to it all. Who am I? This or the other? Am I one person today and tomorrow something else? Or am I both at once? A hypocrite before others and before myself a contemptible, woebegone weakling? Or is something within me still like a beaten army, fleeing in disorder from the victory already achieved? Who am I? These lonely questions mock me. Whoever I am, you know me, O God, I am yours. At the end of the day, Bonhoeffer realised that the most important thing was not who he was in himself or who others thought that he was, but who God was and that he belonged to Jesus. Or as the writer of Psalm 100 said, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that we don't often know who we are or we try and construct our identity in such meaningless trivialities, such as I like this or I like that. Or we construct our identity in things that are so insubstantial or so variable or so weak, so powerless. And Lord, we're surprised when those things fail us uh, and when life is difficult and when life is unattainable and salvation is beyond us and the knowledge of you is far removed from us. We're surprised when those trivialities and those small things are unable to save us as we so desperately desire. But thank you that you are a God who has made himself known in your son, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. The good shepherd who knows us, who lays down his life for us, who leads us through himself through his death, through his resurrection, through his life, through himself to you, to fellowship with you, to life everlasting. The good shepherd who protects us to the end and will never let us be lost. Lord, we pray that we might truly know him and be known by him. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.